minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are breakthrough. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. All right. What's up, biohackers? We've got a special episode for you today. We're going to try something fun that we haven't done before. Uh, A lot of times I get questions about what books I'm reading, what books have really had a profound impact on my philosophies and helped me to arrive to where I'm at today. And what I thought would be cool is when there's a book that I'm reading or a book that I've read and there's a powerful section from it, um, Periodically, if you guys enjoy these episodes, I will read uh, a part that really impacted me from that book and share it with you guys on the podcast. Maybe along with a little bit of commentary, we'll keep it kind of free flow. But um, this one is going to be our first. And uh, if you like it, let me know. We're still on Instagram and Facebook. We've been shadow banned on both platforms for uh, speaking out against some of the nonsense that has occurred in 2020. But you can still find us at Instagram at Biohacking Secrets and then at, uh, it's just Anthony DiClemente on Facebook. And send me a message, send me a direct message. Let me know if you liked this episode and you want more like it. And then um, also make sure that you're following us on BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E. And you've subscribed to our email newsletter. That's the best place to stay up to date because it's the most difficult to censor. So if you want to subscribe to our newsletter and you haven't already, uh, you go to, I think it's just biohackersguide.com forward slash energy crash. So that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-S-G-U-I-D-E dot com forward slash energy crash. And then you subscribe, you get a cool little uh, avoid the afternoon energy crash cheat sheet, and you should then get our email newsletters. Um, So related to this episode, if you guys dig this and you want more information like this, um, episode 173, um, you might want to refer to that. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, so I won't go into too much detail, but we've also got episodes, uh, number I think it's number two or so, with Dr. Jack Cruz. That's a really good one. There's an episode with uh, Nick Pinault, P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T, and one with Dr. Joseph Mercola. So if you enjoy the content in this episode that I'm going to keep a secret until the end, and then I'll share what book it is for those of you guys that want to pick it up, you can refer to episode 173 and the episodes with Dr. Mercola and Dr. Uh, Jack Cruz and Nick Pino for more information. And then if you guys want help navigating 2021, um, how to create financial abundance, undependence or non-dependence from a system that has revealed its true nature in 2020, uh, or you just want to get in the best shape of your life, dial in your brain, your body, find that alignment and peace uh, that comes from merging back with your spirit, go to biohackercoaching.com, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. Fill out the short application, grab a time for you to talk with myself or someone from our team. All right, so here we go. It's story time. And then at the end, if you guys are digging it, I will reveal the book so you could pick it up and keep reading yourself. Here we go. A few years ago, 
researchers dug up four bodies in Alaska that had laid frozen in the permafrost since 1918 and were able to identify RNA from an influenza virus in the lung tissue of one of them. This was the monster germ that was supposed to have felled so many in the prime of their lives, the microbe that so resembles a virus of pigs, against whose return we are to exercise eternal vigilance lest it decimate the world again. But there's no evidence that the disease of 1918 was contagious. For those of you guys that haven't picked up, we're talking about the Spanish flu here. So the the title of this episode will probably be called The Truth About the Spanish Flu or something like that. But there is no evidence that the disease of 1918 was contagious. The Spanish influenza apparently originated in the United States in, in early 1918, seemed to spread around the world on Navy ships, and first appeared on board those ships and in seaports and naval stations. The largest early outbreak, laying laying low about 400 people, occurred in February in the Naval Radio School at Cambridge, Massachusetts. In March, influenza spread to army camps where the Signal Corps was being trained, Corps Corps, was being trained in the use of wireless, of the wireless. 1,127 men contracted influenza in Camp Funston in Kansas and 2,900 men in the Oglethorpe camps in Georgia. In late March and April, the disease spread to the civilian population and around the world. Mild at first, the epidemic exploded with death in September, everywhere in the world at once. Waves of mortality traveled with astonishing speed over the global ocean of humanity again and again until their force was finally spent three years later. And guys, if you enjoy this stuff, um, share this episode with other people. That's the only way that we get out there. It's by you guys um, telling your friends and family members or emailing it to people saying, hey, like, check out the Biohacking Secrets Show. Make sure you subscribe. There's lots of good stuff and um, information that could help you. I think you'll find this interesting, um, especially with the censorship that's going on today. Like a lot of our channels that we built for years – you know, it's basically the same as like us not even having an audience. So it's by you guys sharing this stuff and encouraging other people to subscribe and, you know, go to biohackersguide.com slash energy crash to subscribe to our newsletter. Like that's kind of the way that we push back against censorship and against the system. So um, appreciate that. All right, let's continue. This episode is also brought to you by Buy Optimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production. The second is low enzyme production. And the third is gut dis dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Bioptimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. That's B-I 
I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash B I O H A C K S to check out the exclusive Biohacking Secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today. Its victims were often sick repeatedly for months at a time. One of the things that puzzled doctors the most was all of the bleeding. 10 to 15% of flu patients seen in private practice and up to 40% of flu patients in the Navy suffered from nosebleeds. Doctors sometimes describing the blood as, quote, gushing from the nostrils, end quote. Others bled from their gums, ears, skin, stomachs, intestines, uterus, or kidneys. The most common and rapid route to death being hemorrhage in the fluid, hemorrhage in the lungs. Flu victims drowned in their own blood. Autopsies revealed that as many as one-third of fatal cases had also hemorrhaged in their brain, and occasionally a patient appeared to be recovering from respiratory symptoms only to die of a brain hemorrhage. Quote, the regularity with which these various hemorrhages appeared suggested the possibility of there being a change in the blood itself, end quote, wrote doctors Arthurs Erskine and B.L. Knight of Cedar Rapids, Iowa in late 1918. So they tested the blood from a very large number of patients with influenza and pneumonia. In every case tested, in every case tested, without a single exception, they wrote, quote, the, coagula, the coagulability of the blood was lessened. So coagulability, the ability of the blood to coagulate, was lessened. The increase in time required for coagulation varying from two and one half to eight minutes more than normal. So basically, the blood was becoming uh, thinner. Blood was tested as early as the second day of infection and as late as the 20th day of convalescence from pneumonia with the same results. Several local physicians also tested blood from their patients, and while our records are at this time necessarily incomplete, we have yet to receive a report of a case in which the time of coagulation was not prolonged. So something is dramatically thinning the blood of the population. It's causing all sorts of hemorrhages and bleeding. Clearly not a good thing. This is consistent not with any respiratory virus, but with what has been known about electricity ever since Gerhard did the first experiment on human blood in 1779. It is consistent with what is known about the effects of radio waves on blood coagulation. And all of this is cited. So if you guys decide at the end that you want to pick up this book and check it out for more information, there's citations like every fifth sentence if you want to go to the source. Erskine and Knight saved their patients not by fighting infection, but by giving them large doses of calcium lactate to facilitate blood clotting. So as you guys read more, you're starting to put, put together that there is a connection between the uh, electrical or electromagnetic environment and the uh, ability of blood to clot properly. And at least at this time in 1918, physicians were using calcium lactate uh, to help facilitate blood clotting. So if you know people that are dealing with nosebleeds um, or anything similar, like standard process, of course, you want to make changes to the environment. And, and um, we'll go into some other action steps at the end. But uh, standard process makes a calcium lactate supplement that is uh, an optional Band-Aid solution until 
more pronounced changes can be made to that individual's um, environment, you know, the individual that is bleeding. I believe their daily dosage is like six tablets, but you can adjust based on size because I know a lot of kids now um, are dealing with are dealing with nosebleeds with some of the changes taking place today. And you'll continue to see more and more parallels as we keep going. All right. So uh, Erskine and Knight saved their patients not by fighting infection, but by giving them large doses of calcium lactate to facilitate blood clotting. Another astonishing fact that makes no sense if this pandemic was infectious was that, but, but that makes good sense if it was caused by radio waves is that instead of striking down the old and the infirm, like most diseases, this one killed mostly healthy, vigorous young people between the ages of 18 and 40, just as the previous pandemic had done with a little less vehemence in 18. 89. So there was a pandemic, an influenza pandemic in 1889 that corresponded with the rollout of uh, electrical wires, power lines uh, around the world. And um, I'll give you guys a chart kind of showing the connection between all of these um, later on. So this, as we saw in chapter five, is the same as the predominant age range for neurasthenia. N-E-U-R-A-S-T-H-E-N-I-A, neurasthenia, the chronic form of electrical illness. Two-thirds of all influenza deaths were in this age range. Elderly patients were rare. One doctor in Switzerland wrote that he, quote, knew of no case in an infant and no severe case in persons over 50, end quote, but that, quote, one robust person showed the first symptom symptoms at 4 p.m., and died before 10 the next morning, end quote. A reporter in Paris went so far as to say that, quote, only persons between 15 and 40 years of age are affected, end quote. So when it comes to electrical illness, what is unusual about it is rather than affecting the young and the elderly, it tends to affect people that are in their prime, you know, in, in that age range from like uh, 15, 16, all the way up to the 50s. And that can be expanded, of course, but we're just talking about uh, trends. The prognosis was better if you were in poor physical condition, if you were undernourished, physically handicapped, anemic, or tuberculosis, Tuber uh, tuberculous, tuberculous, all right, I had not heard that before, or if you were tuberculous, you were much less likely to get the flu and much more likely to die from it if you did, end quote. This is such a common observation that Dr. D.B. Armstrong wrote a provocative article published in the Boston Medical and Surgical Journal titled, quote, Influenza, Is It a Hazard to Be Healthy? End quote. Doctors were seriously discussing whether they had, whether they were actually giving their patients a death sentence by advising them to keep fit. The flu was reported to be even more fatal for pregnant women, a further peculiarity that had doctors scratching their head was that in most cases, after the patient's temperature had returned to normal, their pulse rate fell below 60 and remained there for a number of days. In more serious cases, the pulse rate fell to between 36 and 48, an indication of heart block. This too is puzzling for a respiratory virus, but will make sense when we learn about radio wave sickness. Patients also regularly lost some of their hair two to three months after recovering from the flu, 
According to Samuel Ayres, A-Y-R-E-S, a dermatologist at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, this was an almost daily occurrence, most of these patients being young women. This is not an expected after effect of a respiratory virus either, but hair loss has been widely reported from exposure to radio waves. Yet another puzzling observation that so few patients in 1918 had sore throats, runny noses, or any other initial respiratory symptoms. But neurological symptoms, just as in the pandemic of 1889, were rampant, even in mild cases. This explains some of the reasons that people today may be losing their sense of smell and taste, at least temporarily. That's neurological, not related to infection, at least not a virus. Generally speaking, they range from insomnia, stupor, dulled perceptions, unusually heightened perceptions, tingling, itching, and impairment of hearing, to weakness or partial paralysis of the palate, eyelids, eyes, and various other muscles. The famous Carl Menninger reported on 100 cases of psychosis triggered by influenza, including 35 of schizophrenia that he saw during a three-month period. Although the infectious nature of this illness was widely assumed, masks, quarantines, and isolation were all without effect, meaning ineffective. Even in an isolated country like Iceland, the flu spread universally in spite of the quarantining of its victims. The disease seemed to spread impossibly fast. Quote, there is no reason to suppose that it traveled more rapidly than persons could travel, but it has appeared to do so, wrote Dr. George A. Sopper, major in the United States Army. But most revealing of all were the various heroic attempts to prove the infectious nature of this disease using volunteers. This is where it gets real good. All of these attempts, made in November and December 1918 and in February and March 1918, 1919, failed. One medical team in Boston working for the United States Public Health Service tried to infect 100 healthy volunteers between the ages of 18 and 25. Their efforts were impressive and make entertaining reading. Here we go. This is all quotes. We collected the material and mucus secretions of the mouth and nose and throat and bronchi from cases of the disease and transferred this to our volunteers. We always obtained this material in the same way. The patient with fever in bed had a large, shallow, tray-like arrangement before him or her, and we washed out one nostril with some sterile salt solutions using perhaps five cc's, which is allowed to run into the tray, and that nostril is blown vigorously into the tray. This is repeated with the other nostril. The patient then gargles with some of the solution. Next, we obtain some bronchial mucus from the coughing, and then we swab the mucus surface of each nares and also the mucus surface of the throat. Each one of the volunteers received 6 cc of the mixed stuff that I had described. So after they'd collected all of this mucus and fluid from the people who were exhibiting symptoms of the flu, the Spanish flu, they then gave 6 cc's of that mucus nasty mix to the volunteers to see if they could make them sick. They received it into each nostril, received it in the throat, and on the eye. 
And when you think that six C six CCs in all was used, you will understand that some of it was swallowed. None of them took sick. I'll repeat, none of them took sick. In a further experiment with new volunteers and donors, the salt solution was eliminated, and with cotton swabs, the material was transferred directly from nose to nose and from throat to throat, using donors in the first, second, and third day of the disease. Quote, none of those volunteers who received the material, thus directly transferred from cases, took sick in any way. All of the volunteers received at least two and some of them three shots as they expressed it. In a further experiment, 20 cc's, cc's is like a milliliter, 20 cc's of blood from each of five sick donors were mixed and injected into each volunteer. None of them took sick in any way. Then we collected a lot of mucus material from the upper respiratory tract and filtered it through Mandler filters. This filtrate was injected into 10 volunteers, each one receiving three to five cc's subcutaneously, and none of them took sick in any way. Then a further attempt was made to transfer the disease, quote, in the natural way, using fresh volunteers and donors. The volunteer was led up to the bedside of the patient. He was introduced. He sat down along the bed of the patient. They shook hands, and by instructions, he got as close as he conveniently could, and they talked for five minutes. At the end of the five minutes, the patient breathed out as hard as he could. When the volunteer, while the volunteer, muzzle to muzzle, in accordance with his instructions, about two inches between the two, received this expired breath, and at the same time was breathing in as the patient breathed out. After they had done this, for five times, the patient coughed directly into the face of the volunteer face-to-face -face five different times. Then he moved into the next patient whom he had selected and repeated this and so on until this volunteer had had that sort of contact with 10 different cases of influenza in different stages of, disease, of the disease, mostly fresh cases, none of them more than three days old. None of them took sick in any way. So as I'm reading here, guys, hopefully a lot of you celebrated the holidays with family and loved ones. Hopefully you guys know that a lot of what's taking place right now is not what we're being told on the media. But as we learn from some of the experiments that had gone on in history that are suppressed for obvious reasons because they don't support the narrative and they're clearly... Um, anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully this is opening up your mind to the fact that life is about community. It's about sharing times, laughs and time with the people that we care about. And that, um, a lot of what we're doing, we're doing not only based on, uh, nonsense and, uh, manipulated science, uh, a lot of it isn't even scientific, the recommendations that are being made in the first place, you know? So, um, I want you guys to live your life and you know that, uh, one thing about me is that there are times where I may be wrong, but I'm never lying to you. You know, that's one thing that you can count on from me, from this show, um, and all of, you know, everyone in our program and everyone that we've worked with knows that, you know? So, 
hopefully you guys are starting to see. And, um, you know, I'm sure all of you guys had beautiful holidays and spent Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and New Year's Eve and whatever you celebrate with the people you care about. And if you didn't, um, get back to that. All right, let's continue. We entered the outbreak with a notion that we knew the cause of the disease, and we were quite sure we knew how it was transmitted from person to person. Perhaps, concluded Dr. Milton Rosenau, if we have learned anything, it is that we are not quite sure what we know about the disease. Early attempts to demonstrate contagion in horses had met with the same resounding failure. Healthy horses were kept in close contact with the sick ones during all stages of the disease. Nose bags were kept on horses that had nasal discharge and high temperatures. Those nose bags were used to contain food for other horses, which, however, stubbornly remained healthy. As a result of those and other attempts, Lieutenant Colonel Herbert Watkins Pitchford of the British Army Veterinary Corp wrote in July 1917 that he could find no evidence that influenza was ever spread directly from one horse to another. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted, an all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 
The other two influenza pandemics of the 20th century in 1957 and 1968 were also associated with milestones of electrical technology, pioneered once again by the United States. Radar, first used extensively during World War II, was deployed on a spectacular scale by the United States during the mid-1950s as it sought to surround itself with a triple layer of protection that would detect any nuclear attack. The first and smallest barrier was, was the 39 stations of the Pine Tree Line, which kept vigil from coast to coast across southern Canada and from Nova Scotia northward to Baffin Island. This com- this line, completed in 1954, was the roots, as it were, for a huge tree of surveillance that grew between 1956 and 1958, whose branches spread across mid- and high-latitude Canada, sent shoots into Alaska, and drooped down over the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans to guard the United States on east, west, and north. When it was complete, hundreds of radar domes resembling golf balls the size of buildings littered the Canadian landscape from ocean to ocean and from the American border to the Arctic. The Mid-Canada Line, extending 2,700 miles from Hopedale, Labrador to Dawson Creek, British Columbia, consisted of 98 powerful Doppler radars, 30 miles apart and roughly 300 miles north of the Pine Tree Line. Construction of the first station began on October 1st, 1956, and the completed system was dedicated on January 1st, 1958. The Asian influenza pandemic, I skipped over a little bit, but you guys can read it if you want. Um, I'll give you the resource. The Asian influenza pandemic began about the end of February 1957 and lasted for more than a year. The bulk of the mortality occurred in the fall and winter of 1957 and 1958. A decade later, the United States launched the world's first constellation of military satellites into orbit at an altitude of about 18,000 nautical miles, right in the heart of the outer Van Allen radiation belt. Called the Initial Defense Communication Satellite Program, or IDCSP, its 28 satellites became operational after the last eight were launched on June 13, 1968. The Hong Kong flu pandemic began in July 1968 and lasted until March 1970. So hopefully you guys are seeing that just about every major pandemic that uh, that we have experienced, at least since uh, the late 1800s, has coincided with a huge change in our electromagnetic environment. And obviously we're seeing this now, not just with 5G towers, but the increased power outputs in the cell phones that we all use, the Wi-Fi that's in many of your homes, not mine, um, the smart meters that are on homes uh, sending power usages to the power companies two to six times a minute. Um, And now we see the Starlink satellites and things that are being sent up into space by companies, uh, you know, people like Elon Musk and a bunch of those goons. All right. Um, All right, here we go. Although there had already been a few satellites in space, they had all been launched one at a time during the 1960s. And at the beginning of 1968, there had been a total of only 13 operating satellites orbiting above the Earth. In one fell swoop, the IDCSP not only more than tripled that number, 
but place them in the middle of the most vulnerable layer of the Earth's magnetosphere. In each case, in 1889, which was power lines, in 1918, which was Spanish flu and radar, uh, or radio, I'm sorry, in 1957, which was, was radar, 1968, the satellites, etc., the electrical envelope of the Earth, which will be described in the next chapter and to which we are all attached by invisible strings, was suddenly and profoundly disturbed. Those for whom this attachment was strongest, whose roots were most vital, whose life's rhythms were turned most closely to the accustomed pulse, were, were attuned most closely to the accustomed pulse of our planet, in other words, vigorous, healthy, young adults and pregnant women who were the individual were the individuals who suffered and died. Like an orchestra, I'm going to read that again because I just butchered the heck out of that. Here we go. <laughs> those for whom this attachment was strongest, those whose roots were most vital, whose life's rhythms were tuned most closely, to the accustomed pulsations of our planet, in other words, vigorous, healthy, young adults and pregnant women, those were the individuals who most suffered and died. Like an orchestra whose conductor had suddenly gone mad, their organs, their living instruments no longer knew how to play. All right, guys, so I'm going to just kind of pull up a chart here and read it to you, and you can check this out. Um, this is from the book, The Invisible Rainbow, A History of Electricity and Life by Arthur Furstenberg, A-R-T-H-U-R, last name F-I-R-S-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. Fantastic read so far. Again, it's The Invisible Rainbow. Um, if you enjoyed that, jump on Amazon or wherever you buy books, pick up a copy. And um, I just want to show you something cool. We've kind of touched on it here, but here's a chart of radio frequency and uh, electromagnetic frequency advances uh, and the corresponding epidemics and pandemics. So I'm just going to read a few of them here. But in 1889, um, there was the full-scale electrification of America and um, telegraph and power lines, particularly um, – yeah, particularly power lines at that time. And that ushered in the 1889 uh, flu pandemic where a million people died. Then you go to um, 1904, radio transmitters were established for transatlantic communication. Um, and here, I'm going to skip to some of the more interesting ones. So um, 1914 to 1918, World War I, we had an increase in high-powered radio transmitters uh, beginning on military bases, then spreading out worldwide. 1918 to 1920, the Spanish flu begins at the, it began at the Naval Radio School of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, over those two years, 100 million were dead worldwide. 1957 to 1958, post-World War II, we had the installation of worldwide radar surveillance systems that uh, coincided with the Asian flu, where 2 million people died. Soviet scientists reported radio frequency, which is just wireless radiation altering um, electrocardiograms. Uh, 1968 and 1969, we had the installation of major military satellites uh, that brought in the Hong Kong flu. Uh, 1979 to 1984, we had the first uh, 1G wireless cellular network nationwide. Um, and then in the mid to late 1970s and 1980s, there was the AIDS um, and 
HIV, uh, and then hepatitis C vaccine, um, untold millions dead. And then it, it kind of continues, guys. But we've got, you know, uh, late 2019 or and 2020, you've got the 5G rollout. Um, and we're all kind of living through COVID-19 and seeing what is happening. Now, am I, uh, am I saying that all COVID deaths are related to 5G radiation? Of course not. Um, am I saying that there's no virus or anything like that? Of course not. I am saying that a lot of what we are being told, especially if we rely on the mainstream media for our information, is blatant and intentional lies. And a lot of the people that um, are running the pharmaceutical industry, the telecom industry, the power industry, uh, the, um, our political system, the, uh, the, the, the central banks... Um, they have an agenda. And in order for us to, to move forward and step outside of their tyrannical control, we have to start from a place of truth. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with people. Um, support Arthur Fistenberg and his work by picking up a copy of The Invisible Rainbow. And um, yeah, if you guys would like more stuff like this, let me know. Send me uh, a direct message on Instagram or Facebook, my, my email um, that I check every once in a while, is anthony at biohackingsecrets.com. Um, even if it's just a letter, letting me know how anything that we've shared has helped you. Um, yeah, and make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter at biohackersguide.com forward slash energy crash. I appreciate you guys. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, share it with as many people as you can, and much love, stay safe, and I'll talk to you in 2021. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases in inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the 
Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. 